people need to learn about their own bodies and pay attention to their own bodies because they talk to us. We just have to learn how to listen. Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to The Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are helping transform the well-being and sustainability of today's workplaces and spaces. Today, I welcome Seraphine Lillian, owner of Ergo Arts, love that name, a provider of ergonomic assessments and services. Seraphine's mission is to maximize employee productivity, health, and well-being using ergonomic principles stressing the importance of proper posture, movement in performing tasks efficiently, and the effective use of breaks, stretching, and downtime for rejuvenation and well-being. That is so good, Seraphine. I'm looking forward to you unpacking that. For 20 years, Seraphine has practiced in the fields of ergonomics and performed more than, get this, 18,000, she didn't look that old, guys, 18,000 individual ergonomic assessments. She holds a master's degree from San Jose State University in human factors and ergonomics. So this is a truly important conversation. And I don't care you know, where you're listening, what you're doing, stop and take the next few minutes to really listen in. Because over the years of practice, I have found that ergonomics can benefit anybody. I don't care what you do. If you work on the front lines, if you are a first responder, if you work in an office, if you dig ditches, if you work in a manufacturing plant, if you work in construct, I don't care who you are, ergonomics can truly help benefit your life and well-being. So let's get into it. Welcome, Seraphine. Thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction, Fran. And I just wanted to thank you for doing this podcast and for focusing on wellness, because there's so many podcasts out there that focus on how to get yourself healthy if you're not healthy. But what wellness does is it focuses on keeping healthy people healthy. And it sounds like we're kismet. We're really both on the same page. We really want to keep healthy people healthy. And how do we shift our society to Look at that because we're so used to putting out fires and putting out fires is one thing, but how do you keep your employees healthy, right? So that's really what I want to talk about here. Excellent. So let's get into it. Um, I'd love you to unpack ergonomics for folks that are outside of the expert industry, right? Who, you know, work in whatever they do. But under, understanding the term, because people hear that term, and I think it means a lot of different things to different people. So can you unpack the term first, and then also talk about the principles behind ergonomics? Yeah, ergonomics is the study of safe work. And so that could be applied in any environment, whether you're sitting in front of a computer, like you said before, um, you know, any environment, you know, first responders, um, people working, building airplanes, you know, warehouse people. Anybody that works, whatever their capacity, there's an ergonomic component 
to it to make sure that whatever the task that the employee is doing, they can do safely. And ergonomics can also be applied to your home, to your kitchen. Is your counter height the right height for you to chop your vegetables? You know, are you reaching up too high or are you bending down too low when you're chopping your vegetables? So it can be applied in any kind of work that somebody is doing. And so some of the principles um, of ergonomics, uh, OSHA has defined like four risk factors, awkward posture, excessive force, duration, and repetition. So those are four of the risk factors that we look at. So for example, I was working uh, in a manufacturing environment and we would have, we had an incident reporting system. So if somebody, you know, had slipped on the floor, it would go to one health and safety person. If someone had a musculoskeletal issue, it would come to me. Then I'd have to go out on the floor and investigate what was that employee doing? What was their posture? How did they get themselves injured? And what can we do to correct that so it doesn't happen again? So awkward posture could be, you know, excessive neck rotation. It could be, um, you know, awkward hand or wrist positioning. You know, it could be any part of the body that you're not using in quote unquote, a neutral position. And so then repetition, how many times during the course of the day are you doing this task over and over again? Duration, how many days a week are you doing the same body movements over and over again? And then force, like, for example, typing, how much force do you need to actually press a key on the keyboard? Studies have been shown that people use up to three times as much force when they're hitting the keys on the keyboard. So if your neighbor hears your, you typing, you're maybe using a little bit too much force there on the keyboard. <laughs> that is powerful. Like, who thinks about that, right? So let's jump down the road a little bit, and then we'll come back and unpack it. Because, And I don't usually do this, but I think it's important for this conversation for people to really understand what is the end result if you don't really check your ergonomics. And I think something that you just use, I think the two examples you use, I think are fantastic. Typing on a keyboard, something that we all do, we're in a new you know, data society, everybody types or uses their phone, that's one. And then I love the example you used about being in a kitchen and not having enough, you know, the right counter height. So down the when you look down the road, why is it so important and valuable to really take a closer look at your ergonomic environment? Yeah, you know, a friend just recently had a back issue and they kept saying to me, I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything. Well, it was 20, 30 years of using your back in a certain way, right? So repetitive strain injuries happen slowly and over a long period of time. It could be 20, 30 years before you might get injured from, you know, lifting or from mousing or from, you know, chopping vegetables or whatever the task is that you do repeatedly. So it's cumulative. So what's important is to look at the early stages, you know, like if somebody's mousing too much, they might have an ache or pain in their thumb or in one of their fingers or in their wrist or forearm, or it could even be their neck or their back. And that really could be from mousing incorrectly. So all of that needs to be investigated. So what I always tell people is you want to look at the early, early signs, you know, like, oh, I get an ache or a pain, but it only happens Friday afternoon, right? And then the next thing you know, that pain is there Thursday and Friday, then it's there, you know, Monday through Friday. Anyway, we don't have to go into the nitty gritty of it. But the idea is that you want to catch 
it when it's in the early stages. Because when it's in the early stages, it's completely reversible. But if you wait, you know, again, I do ergonomic evaluations that are preventative and ergonomic evaluations that people have had aches and pains to workers' compensation cases. So, you know, I do all of those. And so typically someone will say to me, oh, I've had this pain for six months or I've had this pain for two years. So what I tell them is the pain came slowly. It's going to go away slowly. If you've had the pain for three weeks, you should expect it to take three weeks for it to go away. So you do the math, right? If you've had that pain for two years, it's going to take two years for that pain to go away. So wouldn't you want to like stop it if it's only a pain for three weeks rather than for years? Yeah, you've just blown a lot of people's minds. They're driving along in their car. I can see them now. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to deal with this for so long. But I think you're saying something incredibly important that you've heard the term, I've heard the term being in industry for so long, but that connection, mind-body connection. So paying attention to what's happening in your body. And I really want you to say more for our listeners on this, because again, to me, this cuts across every grain. I don't care what you do in life. I don't care what your position, your occupation, stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter. If you're not paying attention to what's happening, connecting with that ache or that little shift or that, oh, something's not right, then it's going to show up later. So are there any, I don't know, strategies or tips around how they can pay closer attention to that and being more connected with that? And when they think about their, again, their ergonomic environment. Usually I just tell people they have to really just pay attention to their own bodies. You know, my sister-in-law, you know, she blew out both of her thumbs, um, lifting her twins, (laughs) you know, a lot. So, you know, like, how do you lift your children? You know, all of that is going to affect your body. So it's a matter, again, of just paying attention to the early warning signs. You know, do you have pain? Do you have tingling? Do you have numbness? Do you have, you know, any kind of discomfort in the body that you might be feeling? You want to pay attention to that instead of saying, oh, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. You know, you need to investigate what you're doing and then how you're doing it. So the early warning signs are really, really important to pay attention to. So it's, you know, it's again, any kind of ache or pain, it's any kind of tingling or numbness sensation, any kind of discomfort. Those are the kind of things that you want to look for, but those are the early warning signs that something's not right here. Maybe I need to investigate what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And the great thing about having a a professional ergonomist come in is because I can see what you're doing. People Mm -hmm. don't realize what they're doing. They're like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I don't know why this side of my neck hurts me. Right. And they're walking around all day like this and they don't realize it. And then I point it out to them and they're like, oh, I need to be more like this. Right. Like they don't notice what they're doing. So having an outside person come and look at them to evaluate what they're doing is also really key because I can show them, you know, wow, this is something that you're doing that I consider to be an awkward posture. You're not using your body in a way using neutral principles, basically. Yeah. This is such a good conversation because you are making it so accessible ergonomics and people understanding it. And I think that people automatically, you know, when they think about ergonomists, they put you on this, on this level of, well, I don't really need any, I don't need an expert like that. But what you're really describing, and I'm hoping everyone's really catching this is to me, you're really a movement coach. You can be a preventative movement coach, or you can be a post-movement coach. Who knows? I think I've 
developed a new lane that I think that people need to think about when they think about an ergonomist. You don't want to wait until you need an orthopedist (laughs) because you haven't properly prepared your body. That's the one thing I think of. The second thing I think of is that when you think of, like if you think of your favorite athlete, those athletes do the same thing. Sometimes they're they're operating under pain or duress. They're not really paying attention to the movement. And then what shows up later is a really bad injury. I've had two ruptured patella tendons. No fun. Yeah, two. And they were like two years apart. And I can tell you the first one, um, you know, I, I built my company on my body. I always say I, lots of fitness classes and just over, over and over again. And it's breakdown and overuse. But there were signs that were showing up that the first left, the first knee, the left knee was giving out and I wasn't really paying attention to it going up and down stairs. And by the time it ruptured, it was nothing left. My orthopedist, he did both surgeries. He said, yeah, you didn't have anything left in there. It was like loosey goosey. It was worse than spaghetti. It was just loosey goosey tendons because it wasn't, there was nothing really to repair. There was nothing left because I wasn't paying attention to my body, just as you said. Yeah. And I come from a similar background as you. That's so funny because, you know, I was a graphic designer before I was an ergonomist and I developed a repetitive strain injury from mousing on the computer. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So both of us have, you know, used our lemons to make lemonade. (laughs) So true. And we're okay. So we're experts in the field, guys. Like we've both been in the field for decades in wellness and it can happen to us. And we're we're helping other people every day. So how much more can folks really pay attention to uh, the fact that they need this movement specialist or this, you know, again, ergonomist or somebody in their organization? So can we talk a little bit about that? So say, for instance, a lot of our listeners, you know, are managing teams, they're managing, you know, huge portfolios, lots of employees in lots of different environments. How can they think about structuring um, an ergonomist? to come into their organization and being a part of that team for their employees? Yeah, so prevention again is key. So you wanna have a preventative ergonomic program. And one of the ways to do that is management needs to really be on board and really want that to happen. And the employees need to be engaged as well. And when those two come together, then employees are going to feel like they're really being taken care of. And that is a benefit to have in any kind of company that, you know, like everybody wants to have benefits for their employees. And this is a really great benefit to offer to your employees to keep them healthy. Yeah. I love that. We, we worked with a a fairly large client during COVID um, and they were supporting their frontline workers with, ergonomic support. And because the frontline workers, and my husband's, you know, he's, he's a first responder as well. They are the ones that are doing the heavy lifting, no Sorry. pun intended of people They're you know, they're, they're putting themselves in, in harm's way in many cases. And it's repetitive. A lot of the work that they do is repetitive and they're using their bodies to do so. So how much more so? Well, in this, in the, in the office environment, I think it's the same thing. You mentioned mousing, but also typing. If you're um, you know, a manager, or if you're a technical writer, if you're on your computer for endless hours, we all are, that is repetitive motion and that's injuries that can can happen over time. So let's shift a little bit and talk about the strategy around, um, again, good ergonomic a training intervention in an organization, having an ergonomist on your, your core 
team, what are you seeing uh, in terms of trends, in terms of, you know, the hybrid workplace now? We've got this new future of work. People are obviously using virtual meetings for lots of different things. What are the trends that you're seeing around, again, uh, implementing ergonomists in your um, organization and how to best do that? Anything to share? Several companies that I'm working with right now do hybrid work. They they have, let's say, three days a week on site and two days a week they, that employees can work from home. So, And then some of the employees are complaining that their employer is not providing the same equipment for them as, at home as they are in the office. Mm. So... And, you know, so that's something that employers need to consider, like, what are they going to offer their employees in the office and what are they going to offer at home for them? Right. You know, this employer, you know, is offering them electronic sit-stand desks for home, which is awesome. And they're offering them nice ergonomic chairs, but maybe not the same quality that they have in the office. And so there's a mentality sometimes in corporations of, you know, people feeling like they're spoiled or something like, well, I have this in the office and, you know, I need the same exact thing at home. And it's like, well, what, you know, so what they're doing is they're like, well, this is basically, we have satisfied your ergonomic needs by this home furniture that may be different than your office furniture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that there has to be some criteria involved, like making sure one of the big things that I see when I go into offices is people will, companies will order sit-stand desks, let's say for people. And there are so many sit-stand desks out there that I would never order for <laughs> employees because they have a limited range and they're cheaper, right? They cost mm-hmm. less money, yep. but they're not going to have the same range, range meaning like from 25 inches to 48 or 50 inches so that people, you know, that are five foot tall, you know, can work when they're seated. And then a six foot tall person can walk, can work while they're standing. Right. Yeah. So they have created the criterion that it's going to have the range, but it may not be the same size at home. It may be smaller for home and employers have employees rather have to just understand, or the management needs to make it clear that they're providing them with good equipment. It might be different, but it's still quote unquote good from an ergonomic perspective. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think you're saying a couple of things, which again, this is not a sales pitch, but folks need to understand there is a level of expertise that's needed when it comes to this. You know, when we used to source ergonomic equipment for a very large um, government agency, the stipulations is that they gave us some parameters, as you just mentioned, around the spend. They gave us parameters around the quality and what could be used at home versus in office. And all of that is, is budgetary, especially if you're buying for 2,000 to 3,000 to 4,000 people. So right. I don't care who the person is. There has to be some sort of level of, of quality, standardization. There should be a process in place. And that's where the expert uh, expertise comes in, which is what you're providing, is really being able to understand that well and having a different lens. Because if you're just trying to do it as an HR manager or an owner, for instance, you don't really have that lens. And it's just exactly. as important because let's say this is your A player on your team and they go out. I remember years ago, Serafina, I, um, when I was uh, really getting into more proposals like RFPs, like larger types of, of, of contracts and engagements, 
I did a ton of technical writing. I wasn't used to doing that. I was used to being on my feet teaching, you know, for uh, 10 hours a day. All of a sudden I was in front of a computer and I literally, I don't know what you call it, but I got the lock finger where my uh, index finger locked up and it freaked me out. Like it would not move. (laughs) I went to my orthopedist and he had a hand specialist in there. And I went in, I was just terrified. I was like, what's going on? And he's like, look, we're going to, you know, have to go through, you had to go through um, physical therapy therapy, yeah. and I couldn't use it for a while. Let me tell you something. When your A player goes out and can't type, can't type, can't use a computer for two weeks. Think about that, folks. That's what we're talking about here. It's not just, oh, it'd be great to have an ergonomist on our team. You need to have that preventative uh, education and that preventative knowledge as Serafina is talking about. So that's what we're talking about. You need to really think about that. And it could even be you, if you're a sole business owner, solopreneur, you need, you use your hands for just about everything. Am I right? That's true. Yes. We use our hands for everything, you know, opening up doorknobs, holding martini glasses, (laughs) you know, mouth saying, you know, little things like that, lifting grandchildren one day, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's every, it's gardening. It's everything. So right, exactly, yeah. take, you got to take care of your body. You have to take care of your body. You only get one set of hands in a lifetime. You can't go to the store and buy another pair. You know, yeah. I wish I could, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. So as we're winding our conversation up, I'm curious if you have any special projects or anything you're really looking forward to in 2023. Uh, in terms of, again, this whole idea around ergonomic consultations or even, you know, uh, client projects that you're working on, you're super excited about. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I, I just love doing what I'm doing and I have been doing more virtual ergonomic evaluations and people are, are like, how do you even do that? But it's really possible. And again, because I've been doing ergonomics for 20 years, like I was doing an evaluation yesterday and I was looking at the guy's mouse and I figured out the exact model number that the mouse was like just on the camera. <laughs> and he's like, what, how did you know that? And I said, well, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I've been getting involved in doing more, uh, you know, virtual ergonomic evaluations. And so I'm kind of excited about doing that and helping people that may not be in my area, you know, solve their, their physical problems in their workstations. And it's worked really well for office evaluations, for sure. That's one of the things that I'm excited about. The other thing is I've been working with another wellness company and I'd like to work with some some more wellness companies to promote ergonomics that way because I really think that you guys do preventative work in the companies. And I think that ergonomics needs to be put forefront as a preventative strategy to keep healthy people healthy. I think it's so important. I mean, Warren Workers Compass one worker's comp case is about $30,000. And think about like, you know, how much good you could do preventative wise for your employees with just that amount of money. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a couple of things that I'm looking forward forward to. The other thing I just wanted to say is that I just read recently that about 80% of Americans will experience neck or back pain within their lifetime. That is a lot of people. So learning how to keep your spine, keep your body in a neutral position is really fundamental. And what would be really wonderful is if there were ergonomics in grade school. Let's teach teach young people. Let's teach the young people 
how to keep their spine in a neutral position because test technology grows and more and more people use technology. When I first started out 20 years ago, people were using the computer maybe three to five hours a day. Yeah. And now they're using it between six and 10 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. So increased sitting or standing, but th- those are still static positions. In an awkward position and not getting enough movement is just setting our society up for something that might be really scary down the road, especially with the young people. I mean, you see young kids working on computers and they're completely hunched over, completely hunched over. And And that posture, like sometimes the book bags, the way they carry those book bags. I mean, I was in New York a couple of weeks ago and you know, you see the little kids catching the Metro and things by themselves. And this one little kid, he was hunched over his, his shoulders were at his ears. He could barely carry the bag. I'm like, He's already, I mean, I mean, destitute. I mean, this is horrible. Kid looked up and he couldn't have been more than like seven or eight years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They've done a lot of work on create on knapsacks and making sure that they're fitting um, young people well. So there's a lot of information online that people can find to make sure that 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 doesn't happen to their own kid. But that is really important for people to look at is how do young kids carry knapsacks? Not only use technologies, but, you know, just wander around in their environments because, you know, they have to carry all these books nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something that I'd really like to get involved with. Anybody out there that is doing something with kids, contact me and, and let's, let's see if we can collaborate to do a preventative program for, for young kids. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Well, and I was also thinking, since we're here in Washington, D.C., anybody that lists, anyone listening who may work for a nonprofit, because I think nonprofits, you have such a large contingency of members and individuals, particularly in the um, the um, child care space. Right. Huge contingency. I was just on a actually on a webinar with um, H, uh, Department of Health and Human Services. And one component is child and, and youth welfare. And, uh, you know, they. They're taking care of millions of children. So anyone listening, um, I think Serafina is right. Please reach out because, again, she can be very instructive. And and doing ergonomic evaluations via the virtual setup, I think it's fantastic. It's one to many in many cases, but she can also reach across the country. And we did a lot lot of that during COVID. So we're going to reach back to you as a wellness company to see if we can actually collaborate with you on a couple of teaming opportunities. I think um, the one that you mentioned you're really excited about is children, but I think also having some instruction, preventative instruction around how to properly use technology to help not hurt your body. Exactly. And also, you know, again, the preventative measures in terms of just taking care of your body. You only get two hands, you get two legs, and you get two knees. And let me tell you, if one of those <laughs> knees goes out, you're in a bad spot. Been there, done that, don't want to go back. So exactly. I just I just actually avoided taking a class. And I saw the instructor this morning, and I had signed up for the class, and I saw him. And he was peeping at me through the window because I was on the bike, recumbent bike. And um, so I went in and said, look, I'm sorry I didn't take the class, but I got a twinge last night. And after two ruptured patella attendants, I get a twinge. I don't, I don't do it. And he has a lot of lateral movement and jumps and pounding in his class. And I was like, uh-uh, Fran's not coming. So he's like, I understand, I understand. But like, you know, you really have to listen to your body, really listen exactly. to your body. Yeah, exactly. I found out years, years later after my repetitive strain injury that I'm in the category of people that are hypermobile. And that now I know why I got the repetitive strain injury myself and why it never really fully healed. Mm. So I have to be really careful with, 
the kind of yoga classes that I take because overstretching is just not good for my body. So yeah. So, you know, people need to learn about their own bodies and pay attention to their own bodies because they talk to us. We just have to learn how to listen. (laughs) I love that. Our bodies talk to us. We need to learn to listen. We're not trained in that. We're trained in the cognitive. We're trained, you know, to take care of our brains, right? We're not really trained to take care of our bodies. So So we need to start doing that because we don't want to fall apart, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, we don't. We want to live long, healthy lives. So absolutely. This conversation is for all of us. Yeah, right. Employees are going to be happier. They're going to be healthier. You take care of your employees. You do the preventative work. And, you know, they're going to really enjoy working at the company if you do that. So, yeah. Well, Serafina, I have so enjoyed this conversation. It has been power packed. Uh, And again, I think that there's some residual that will come from this. I definitely see some opportunities for you with our listeners and also with Aerobody. So thank you once again for being on with us today. And thank you for those who have joined us for the Optimized Workplace. And remember, it's many monumental moments and shifts that can make the biggest difference in your life. So I'm Fran Dean Bishop. I'm your host. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much, Fran. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.